0: Hi, welcome to the third episode of Cy Project Spotlight. I am Kotaro. I'm Steve. This is Aaron. We are a part of the Philly local Philadelphia Goheads community. Uh, we are here again to talk about our progress with building an exclusive watch app. Yeah, well, we're we're working on building a watch OS app to help you study your kanji. It's a kind of assistant flashcard app for learning Japanese kanji.
1: Can you imagine you have a little a little tiny flashcard on your wrist, and that was our idea, and it would show you the kanji, and then you could what, tap it to see the meaning of the kanji to see if you got it right. It's not trying to be like some smart, automated thing.
0: You you would proactively have to say whether you got it right or not. I mean, this is really much more for self-development, not so much like a, we're not trying to gamify anything or trying to be smart about it.
1: Exactly. And, and then the most, the most advanced feature we might have is maybe having notifications to like remind you to do it once in a while.
0: Right. So we are currently in
1: our second sprint. The, this, I guess this would, this would count as the end of our second sprint and we're doing the retrospective now.
0: Right. And so what did we have listed as the things we were trying to accomplish for this sprint?
1: La- last time we said the, the goals of the sprint was to do wireframes and prototype. UI get the kanji database parsed into the database uh, from the json get the core data stuff working that everyone would get this thing built on their actual devices Uh, we would also look into notifications and then get the podcast website set up for this
0: okay so i guess we can kind of go around and and kind of figure out how everyone did on their part uh, so, just to get a context, you can start with yourself, and then say what you were responsible for, and then kind of give a brief summary update. So, Steve, I'll start with you.
1: Okay, yeah. So, I was I was doing the podcast website setup, and then I was supposed to look in the notifications. So, I didn't really get to look in the notifications. However, I have a lot of background knowledge on that, so I put it on kind of the back burner to focus on getting the the website up, which was itself kind of interesting. And uh, I don't know if we want to get into that right now or just wait till we do the overview. Uh, yeah, we can wait for that.
0: Cool. Uh, I guess, Aaron, you can go next.
2: Yeah, I was trying to get the data exported from the original XML data source into JSON and then into core data. I managed to do that for a subset of the data. I didn't want to like throw the entire data set at it and run into huge load times so or I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I took 3,000 out of the 13,000 kanji that were in this data set and exported them and it managed to load it pretty quickly into core data i think it's like a fraction of a second in the simulator or maybe like half a second or something to load on the actual device on my series 6 so that worked out pretty well i didn't like extensively test all the data fields you did
0: a fascinating thing with how you saved arrays in core data but we could talk about that later
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah. I I was meant to talk to you guys about it, but then I just did it. And and there's there I'm getting some warning, which I'm not sure what that is, but
0: I suspect that it has something to do with defined what it is. You know, it's 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 there's an assumption that's an array on your end, but I don't know because it's considered the attribute is a transformable. Again, we could talk about that after you finish up. We finish up with our summaries. I will say it did change my idea about how I want to do an, an intro for the UI. Uh, But I guess we can kind of transition to my responsibilities was to build out the UI, which I did create, start creating like a skeleton layout of like all the views that I think we might need with navigations to each of them. I haven't really done the key thing, which is to take uh, what Aaron has done, which is the core data, and then start to integrate that into my UI, the card flipping UI. To be fair, I just uh, did that like two days ago. So (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I could have done something, but one interesting thing when you did that and you showed it to us and you pressed the import button and it took the, you know, whatever the half second to load. I thought, oh, if, um, when the user opens up the air app and it doesn't have the data already imported, I would have an onboarding view to sort of block the user from doing anything maybe for to, they would have to read it hopefully for like half a second to a second, just to give you the application time in the background to do the import automatically.
2: It's assuming that I don't figure out how to just grab the database, the default database file from the simulator, which is something I haven't tried yet. That's true. I, hopefully we won't need to actually do that, but it is is a good UI thing to think about if we have to run the import at least once when you launch the app the first time.
0: Yeah, I think it might make sense just to do the onboarding anyway. They have to set how the frequency of how often they're going to get notified per day, right? So like, once a day three times a day you know that's kind of like it's almost like pushing the settings view up in the beginning
2: ideally we probably like beta tested enough where we have like a good starting place and maybe just having the onboarding of go into settings if you want to change that but this is what it is yeah yeah Uh, you don't want to force them to like have to mess with settings when they start i feel like for an app like this but then i
0: also wonder if it's like because we do want to at give them the opportunity to say like just a quick, like presetting of like, how frequent do you want this uh, per day? Once, three times, four times, and then maybe like a custom.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe those just be like a recommended one because I feel like you get, once you give people like a bunch of choices and it's just like, ah, uh, what do I pick?
0: Oh, particularly for a watch app, right? So like that I, I can see as a, as a challenge. So yes, I agree. Uh, so again, this is just to get the functional features in first. Which I do feel it needs to be there, Uh, so that's on me to to get done uh, within the next sprint. But again, uh, let me see what what was the other things that I was responsible for.
1: The page flipping looks good though. Thanks.
0: It it does kind of something funny because like if I do it because I have the the rounded card. I'm sorry, the rounded corner card with the text in it, but when you do a 3D effect. It affects both of them. So now the the card is backwards. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to get around that. But let me see. Let's see. I have to get my bill to run on a watch that's on me.
1: Which uh, watch are you running?
0: Uh, Series three.
1: Okay. Yeah. You're the series three. Okay. So we got two series sixes and a series three.
0: Yes.
2: We'll see if that affects the performance. Yeah. The
1: series three is the one we have to worry
2: about.
0: All right. Cool. So that's about it for um, our summaries and follow-ups. Um, do you feel like there's anything that you felt like that was that you were running into in terms of like, oh, I didn't have enough time or I'm struggling with getting some of these tasks done?
1: For me, when I did get it running on my watch, I had I had to do it like several times. It's like Xcode kept forgetting how to connect to my watch or something like I, I just went and redid it from scratch several times.
2: Are you are you connecting wirelessly
0: or? Well, I mean, the watches,
1: but the the phone I plugged in.
2: Yeah, I was having problems with the wireless for the to the phone, but as soon as I plugged in my phone, then it worked.
1: Yeah, that helped a lot. That helped a lot. It made it much more consistent. It's just weird. What would happen? It would be like kind of like the the simulator it would just kind of spin.
2: Which which simulator version were you running?
1: Uh, series? Maybe Series Seven?
2: I was running Series Six to match my own device, but I don't know if that has anything to do with it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I noticed that the that I think I don't know if Xcode's changed because I didn't do a lot of watch stuff before, but it it really wanted to kind of like auto- always send it to my watch when I would run in in the um preview on SwiftUI preview. You know, you can you can hit the button, the play button, to actively get the preview. Well, it's like once I got it working on the watch at one point, it just kind of like kept going to the watch, and it took me a while to try to make it stop going to the watch. Like I wanted you to do it in the SwiftUI preview. So some of that's just maybe not being super familiar with the uh, how this stuff works on uh, the latest hex code. But yeah, aside from some Xcode issues, and then on the website side, I had to learn Hugo engine that we use and, and the whole GitHub setup we have and CircleCI and things.
0: And for phillycoco.org. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually been kind of funny because it's developed and um, put up there by our old friend uh, Mike Zornick, who just wanted to explore Hugo and just build a website using that, that framework. Uh, but it's been robust for most of our needs (laughs) yeah
1: i mean i could talk about some of the interesting highlights from that because i think it is a pretty useful way to make a a quick website for a uh, for a project like this
2: are we going to do a website for the actual app i think
0: well we could do it one of two ways right we could put it on the philly Cocoa website uh, on a page of like or maybe like an extension of the podcast page i guess we can figure that out and take advantage of the fact that, you know, because nobody really, there's no real reason for most people to go to the physical website. So we might as well put that as like a page there sure, to sort of promote this app. If we need, uh, the only other thing I could think of that would be a smart decision um, or maybe a smart decision, who knows, is to put this on a GitHub page and then maybe like buy a domain, like a quick domain for about a year or two um, honestly I don't think it's a big 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 deal to do for your watch app
2: <laughs> but, yeah it's definitely not
0: yeah but
1: but getting this to work getting the podcast area up was a good way to learn how to do this with uh if we're gonna do if we're gonna put it on the philly cooker website because at least the podcast I had some content I didn't really have to think about how to you know what I was doing not a designer either so it doesn't look great but you know it works
0: I mean that's the thing it's like I don't I'm like Mike is not either, even though he has a specific particular aesthetic style. He goes well. He, he prefers the,
1: the if you're if you're not familiar, Hugo is a, like a static website generator. So the way it works is we have a GitHub repo <clears throat> that I checked out that I didn't realize I had access to. <laughs> but like you're one I of the team, so <laughs> I know that's somewhat out added me a long time ago. Uh, so I checked it out, and then there's a certain specific directory structure that Hugo has. And, you know, one of those directories is content directory. And that's pretty much where all the actual content files are. And then there's like a directory for layouts. And you essentially have to put content in. And then the layouts will render it. And it's so there's and they they get kind of matched together based on some conventions of like where you put them in the file system. And also what kind of metadata you put in your content files at the top in a certain format like in, in our case it's kind of like a key value pair it's really simple format at the top so you can so i had to figure out how to create a type of uh, just like in programming you have types and hugo you have like kind of types of content so i took the existing blog type we had and basically duplicated it and created a podcast type because i wanted to create a different layout for it so i created a different layout for it that had some minor differences and you know set that up and then i i basically copied and pasted the uh stuff from our rss feed essentially into the content pages uh and what's cool about hugo is that you can run the server locally and it does live updating so every time i would change a file it would it would reload the page in my browser so it was a very fast cycle to do that uh and so it it just took a little while to figure out like where to put files and how to do things. I also needed to figure out how to embed raw HTML. It turns out to be a very simple process, but you have to create this thing called a short code in Hugo. So they have the templates, they have their content, and they have these like short codes. It's kind of like kind of like a tag. Hugo goes and does its layout rendering. It's gonna see this. It's gonna ignore it's it's just gonna like take whatever I put in there. It's just gonna plop it on the page. Whereas by default what it was doing was stripping out HTML if I put raw HTML in, and I needed it to work because the embeds that I'm getting from Anchor that allow you to actually play the podcast uh, you know, are just HTML iframes code, so I need to put it in there. So that was, that was a pretty simple thing to do because it's apparently very common, so there, I just looked it up, how to build it. So I ended up making a bunch of changes to files. I didn't really expect to have to do that, but I did, and then luckily to actually deploy this thing, you just have to check it in to the repo, and then it's there's a webhook. GitHub has this uh, has these webhook configurations, which means that when I when it det- detects a you know a push, it's gonna call out this web hook to this webhook to Circle CI, which is a continuous integration service that we are using, and then that's gonna run this like it's, it's gonna set up this whole Docker instance with Hugo on it and stuff. It's gonna take the the change, it's gonna run it run the Hugo, you know, server to generate the HTML stuff and then it's going to put it on Amazon S3 where our website actually lives. And the first time I did it, I did it as a a separate branch because I'm trying to be a good, you know, citizen here on the repo. So I created a branch. It was like add podcast info branch. And I and I upload I did a PR which believe it or not, I don't really do PRs much uh because my day job we use GitLab and I mean, most of the repos I'm on, I'm like the only person.
0: So you did a PR and you approved your own PR? <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, I did. I approved my own PR. I just wanted to see
0: how the, new, the
1: interface worked on the GitHub day because it was, a, it was kind of interesting when I, because um, I did, I, I don't use GitHub a whole lot, like recently. So I, I did a branch and I pushed a branch up. And when I did, GitHub has a giant button that just appeared. And to, to, and I was like, what does this button do? Because it's not exactly clear. And it creates the PR for you. And I was like, okay, we'll do this. But, you know, it was nice because the, the PR gives you, uh, you know, a, a, what does that stand for? A pull request, right? Pull request. It gives you a nice little like, um, encapsulated area uh, that you can then have comments on and you can do back and forth. In fact, Mike Zornick, who created the website originally, he he did chime in on the PR eventually. The whole concept of doing PRs, we, wanna, we weren't sure what we we're going to do for our repo if we want to do that or not
0: for our repo i think we should consider um doing a repo doing that pr um if only to allow us to provide comments on each other's code so i don't mind doing approaching it like i don't know aaron how much you've worked with prs or i don't know if we've done it in the past in our game
2: jams no we haven't um i've messed around with like GitHub enough that like I know the structure of it, but I haven't really worked on any projects where it was required. So I thought about doing it for for my changes that I was making, but I only planned on changing like one file. I'm like, I'm just going to make this one file that imports the JSON. And but it was like two days before we we're supposed to record this podcast, and I'm like, I hadn't gotten anything working, and then I just end up changing like all the files in the app and pushing it up on the master branch, like. You're not supposed to, but I figured like, I hadn't heard much from you guys about what you were doing in the app. So figured it would probably be fine. And we don't have that much going on yet, but yeah, if we, if we agree to like a certain style and we're uh, doing pull requests and I can definitely do that. So
0: what we can try to do for this sprint see how we
2: feel about it um, is that if we're going to
0: work on something, we're create a branch, maybe signal to each, just in case people need to, i i I, I assume we all know what we're working on but just um just work on whatever you need to work on and then as long as they're not big big changes um yeah just uh create a pull request when you're done so you do the branch you make your changes and you do your thing and when you feel like you're in a comfortable space like do a pull request to get some comments from me and steve Uh, you can also request who you want to to um to approve of your pr and let's agree that if um as long as both approve or as long as one approves uh because sometimes it, it, a lot of this happens where they try to get two approvals and that second approval just takes forever
1: there's only three of us i mean i mean i don't even know we need approvals period but we're if we want to try to do this
0: yeah it just helps with our participation because i think sometimes I'll see something or you'll see something that is just like, Oh, this is really weird and probably shouldn't do it this way.
1: And uh, the way I tep I typically do this stuff is I'll do a feature branch and I'll create a new branch off of master and then I'll mess with whatever I want. And then I'll push that up to the server and then that, you know, make a PR out of that. And that way everything's nice and isolated. And then, you know, we can bring them in individually. We can bring in the changes or we can merge, we can do whatever we want on our, Git side too to to play around with this stuff because we'll just have these branches to, to play with.
0: Yeah. So what I what I'll probably yeah. So like an example would be like the onboarding view. I would create an onboarding view. I would create a branch for that, and maybe you'll call it feature, you know, dash onboarding view. And then I'd work on it. And then I'd create a pull request. You know, maybe I won't do too much. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, you just have to do what you're comfortable with and you feel like it doesn't break the build. That's the key part. Anything with push up should not break the build.
1: you have to see how, how this works out because uh it's such a small app right now and there's not a lot of code written, so it's pretty easy for us to be modifying the same files. so you know if we have multiple branches and pull requests going on, we can end up with some conflicts.
0: Well the beauty for the most part I mean as, as long as it's not something like project related, um, the beauty for the most part is we it's going to be rare if we're messing with like a storyboard right? Because we're doing it in Swift UI. So any of those, so those type of conflicts are resolved. If it's project folder related, then that could be tricky, but that's part of the power of the pull request is like, we can all say, okay, here's how, you know, we can, we can kind of collaborate and make sure that we're not breaking something.
1: That sounds like a good plan for me. And I just wanted to say one more thing about the, the website stuff is that I, I think that this is my first time doing a static, website generator really uh and you know i like it i might actually i might actually use it because it it it's really easy it's nice that you can just check out everything from a repo and change it uh and if you don't need all those features of some database backed website something you know like like wordpress you don't need all that stuff you know it's it's what one thing is that it's it's really cheap to host and it will not easily fall down if you put it on something like s3 or or somewhere that you know you can take a beating it's just gonna it's it's hard to knock out a site that's just static html pages so that's really cool and and it, since it is so easy if you want to do this for like an app like a simple page like often web, an app will have just a one page website or a couple page website that doesn't change a lot you know and you're not going to do you know lots of interactive features probably you know just information a button to download and stuff yeah it makes complete sense to design something in a static generator and then just put it up somewhere and then you just leave it there, or, or you know, put it up on as we're doing, probably on the Philicoga site. So I like it. I think I recommend it as an option for people making a uh, a website for their app, and they don't want to spend a lot of time. The other option, of course, is just to sign up for some service like Squarespace, or whatever. But they're not a sponsor, <laughs> but but like you could do that too. But then that costs money. We're trying to do things super cheap. So this re- this does require more setup. It's definitely
0: the difference between paying twenty five dollars or something of that range a month versus
2: $1 to $2. Yeah, I don't want you to gloss over like the setup of the continuous integration. You, you got lucky that it was set up for you. you. I went down like a whole rabbit hole of looking in for a project I was trying to do. And it's not that it's hard, it's just that there's a lot of decisions to be made. It's not like that the process is that hard. It's just that when you use like, oh, which static site generator and which uh, continuous integration thing am I going to use to actually do, and where am I going to deploy it to?
1: Yeah, yeah, and this is why I actually liked the fact that uh, it was already set up because I'm just probably going to steal the whole Philly Coca setup and just do it for something else because, as you said, I don't want to think about it and, like, we have something that works. Might as well start there, right? And uh, is this is this repository uh, private or...?
0: Oh, that's actually public.
1: That means that if you're listening to this and you want to see an example of how Hugo works and Circle CI, you can see that stuff on our
2: public repo where is it on the uh philly tokens you could just host it in github pages i think is that is the most direct way if you want if you want more control and you can also use github pages with hugo there's like a thing so in fact
1: even easier than hugo would be just to use github pages because it's built in my my point is a, a static website is an option to consider for your app website because you know once you build it it's easy to maintain and and you know, it's familiar. Anybody, even people who only have rudimentary HTML CSS experience can build a basic website.
2: Yeah, there's like all all these templates already available for Hugo if you don't want to build your own templates and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. And 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 if, if yet if money is the most important thing, like if you really don't want to be spending twenty bucks a month for this, which is totally understandable, especially doing a side project. You know, you can once you figure out how to do this once, you can just do it for every side project app you do. And you can have a whole bunch of pages.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The hardest part, I think, is actually just making the decision of what, which, which template, which generator, and then which template and what hosting thing, what hosting thing you need. Yeah.
1: Part of our mission here is to get past our analysis paralysis. At least I have that, and I think Aaron, you've expressed that. Yeah, definitely. So every time I encounter something that works now, I'm just like, I'm just going to do that. I'm not. I'm not going to worry about like the 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 little uh, issues around it. You know, the, the things that are not perfect, whatever, I don't care. I'm just going to do it.
0: I remember one of the interesting things about like comic book artists or people who have these really sort of repetitive tight deadlines is that they only have about a week or two to produce their work. Um, and so you, you speed through, you, you, you kind of get, you don't get too precious about what you're producing. You just boom, 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 boom neck onto the next project, onto the next project, you get better and you know you're going to get better over time and that's what tends to happen if you look at any comic book artists long careers uh you kind of see that they're being they develop tricks and techniques utilizing the public space in that sense
1: yeah, yeah i mean uh, and with software development here you're, there's so many things involved and so many choices to make, and it's useful, i think if you're especially if you're you're earlier in your career or a, doing the stuff that to have examples of stuff that just works and you can just use it. You can just start here, do this. It will work. We're not saying this is the best way of doing things, not saying this is the best way for you to do things for this particular project. But like, we know this works to a degree. So give us a shot, start here. And uh, I like that because it, 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 the biggest problem I have with the analysis analysis process, the biggest problem I have is you start with that blank page. You start with that blank Xcode window or that blank you know, wireframe tool window or something. And then you're like, how do I start? And that's where you, you it's helpful to look at examples. Uh, something like Swift UI is great because it has default user interface. It builds for you. So if you put a list, it creates a list in a style that is good enough for an app. It's the way that Apple says, this is pretty good. Uh, you know, if to create navigation views, it's like, this is the way it is. You don't have to think about all the details. And so I like tools that help you to get over that initial hump,
0: I think we've we are doing a pretty. Um, I think we, we've we're trying to make sure we keep our scope, you know, reasonable for this first version. Yeah, this first that's iteration. very
1: important. So, um, so I don't know really think there's anything else to talk about for the uh, the website for now. You can go check it out at phillycoca.org. There's a podcast button.
0: I am curious. Um, so I've reviewed the core data stack uh, or the core data work that you've done, Aaron, and I think it's interesting because. You had to import you had to add sort of like a raise in for an attribute or you and you use something like a transformable uh a, a transformable attribute for i think the hiragana and um the meaning like in
2: English translation yeah
0: the meanings yeah, because they 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 themselves come in as arrays. thought that was an interesting approach uh because it's almost like a, like a binary what was what was the decision behind that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you're looking for a, a well reasoned uh, answer on why I chose that, I don't really have one. I just kind of realized that we have a raise, and then I googled like, how do I get a raise working in core data? And and that this was the first thing that came up of, or the really the only thing that came up of how you implement it without like writing a whole bunch of custom classes and things. Like, oh, this is how you get it to work with the default implementation of core data and leaving everything as default as possible. Um, Yeah. I do get some warning of like, Oh, this is like an unsafe way to do things, but (laughs) um, it does work apparently, but uh, I don't know if it's the best implementation. It's just the first thing that I got to work. Um, So if you, if you look in, um, if you're actually looking in the project and when you, you set up your core data um, data model, file that has your your entities and your, your attributes, instead of saying like, Oh, I have a string for this, this, uh, attribute, um, for, for our data, there's like multiple meanings for each character. So, um, I want to bring in an array from the data. So instead of saying, Oh, there's a string, you, you shit, you say it's a transformable, which allows you to just put in the, um, In the Xcode um, attribute editor for that entity, you can say transformable. And then in custom class, all you do is put like string bracket, like say it's an array of strings and that's all you have to do to get it to import an array um, instead of just like a single string for that attribute. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure why. I don't like, I just didn't do enough research of like why that works or what it's doing. But um, so...
1: It looked like the database got imported twice when I was testing it, like yesterday,
0: uh, or three times. So I'm not entirely sure how that's working because I tried to delete the app and then uh, reinstall it, and it, and then do the import, and it still like brought two or three. Um, or or was that uh, or was that a UI bug?
2: It could have been a UI bug. Yeah, I didn't have anything to like not allow it once it's imported, which is definitely something when I add that some kind of flag somewhere that checks whether it, there's any data in the, in the database before it tries to import. But I was just did the bare minimum of add a button that you tap on and it runs. So I was like, just trying to figure out where, where am I going to run this? And I just like, I stuck a button in the list view just to, to get it to work. Yeah, obviously this is nowhere near the final implementation, but I just wanted to see whether this worked. Actually I've added that code. So I added a, a sort of like
0: um. A... Is is count greater than something? Is the is the is the array greater than zero? And if it is, don't show that import button. But I don't have anything where like if you have if you press the button, disable the button or hide the button and just put a loading screen. Um, that might be one way to to approach it. But again, this is a UI issue, so I'll I'll look into that to making sure that that interaction works a little bit better. Um, another thing that I probably need to do is just sort of have a bare bones layout of what we what we want to build out. And so that I need to get to you probably, again, like I said last time, like early earlier part of this week or last week, which did not happen. So I'm on the hook for that.
1: Do you, do you have a clear idea in your mind how this is going to work?
0: I have a clear idea in my mind of how the core mechanic works, which is you get a flash, you get notified, here's the card, you tap on the card if you want to see the meaning, or you swipe left or swipe right. Uh, that would define like okay this is right or this is wrong if if you do that then you know it says that you're good for the day or you want to do another one that's it and then so you're so the the other major component to this is notifications
1: and we want to uh, notify you x number of times a day and to just use the app or did not- or the notifications want to be interactive in some way?
0: I would say interactive. So basically go, here's here's a, here's a kanji. Do you know this? Yes or no? If the answer is no, we just say no and save it back into Core Data.
1: It's totally doable to do a notification that had a button that said
0: yay or nay. Like, what does the button say? Like, I know it? Uh, yeah, just for, for now, just say I know or I don't know. That's And then we'll figure out the copy later. Again, we're we're trying to figure out we're trying to just get the functionality to work and then
2: we can like embellish the actual copy later. Yeah. Yeah. I'm envisioning something like the thing like the workout notification of like, are you working out right now? When you start like walking for more than like five minutes and it pops up, it's like start workout or mute it. So we can have some we can use kind of that kind of thing. And it has buttons that so it can launch the app or it can just like go away or or we can acknowledge it, have it like acknowledge, yeah, I know that one. And then it says, do you want to look at more to launch the app? But ideally, we can like do everything through the notification. If you don't want to actually see, if you just want to say yes or no. Yeah, maybe.
1: I, have you seen, have you, have you used the, what is that, Mindful app that's on the Apple Watch now? Or the Breathe app, whatever it's called before? That will do notifications at different times of day. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these things are similar. So like it's just a big icon that comes up and it's like has a few options. It would be cool if you could just show the card.
0: Yeah, and and that's actually all I'm I'm thinking about doing. Like no images or anything like that. Just the just the kanji and just like yes no uh yes I know it no I don't and mute or whatever. Like whatever are the options we want to give it. But those are the two primary ones I care about.
1: I don't know what, what the limit I'd have to look again what the limitations are what the view can be for one of these notifications.
0: They do have a um they have a notifications extension that's a templated that you can look into that folder and kind of get a gist of like because they actually do have a like when you open up the app for the first time they do actually do a notifications a demonstration of what what you're seeing so so just look into the kanji flashcard watch kit extension um not watch kit sorry there's like a notifications notification controller notification view and then there's a complication controller maybe if we want to get adventurous we can try to add a complication just a simple one but that's after we've figured out everything else. I think we should figure out uh, with the amount of time we have, we should figure out uh, what we want to do for this next sprint, this next two weeks.
1: Sure. So we really, for the next two weeks, we only have two sprints left before our, our deadline. here. We need to have like basically a functional app by the end of the month, you know, to be, to be testing with people. Uh, so that means we need to get the primary user interface flow working so that means like i need you need to be able to open the app has to be when it's open you need to be able to get a kanji and swipe one way or the other and then record that somewhere like i feel like that's like the the base functionality and then notifications are built on top of that mechanism because you need somewhere to save that data it's going to go to the same place like whatever your choice is or and where you're going to pull the data from
2: yeah, well, this goes into one of the things we were trying to figure out in the original like iPhone implementation of this app is what exactly is the data that we're storing about the stats of how the um, the user is using it and how many things are correct and not correct. And so we need a data model for that. So we I don't know if we ever really figured out the best thing for that last time. So that's something we need to figure out this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, on some level, it's, it will track with the intention of, like, over time, give you more complicated kanji um, as your performance improves. And so we had to track whether how many, you get, for each character, which one you got right, which one you got wrong, and the frequency in which you got it right or wrong. Um, and that was the challenge from last time. Um, so we kind of have
2: that in the court, like a, an entity for that, for those stats. Just have to see if that's what we actually need once you actually start testing it. It's really the thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: So for this, for this sprint, I want to get the UI for the flashcard part, like the saving component um, for the user stats. That's on me to get just the functionality of like a yes, no, and the data saved, and then for which character. I'll take care of that for this week, um, as well as maybe basic, like the other settings of like, okay, the frequency, um, uh, notifications, frequencies, and that kind of stuff. Just the saving part, not so much the interactions with the notifications. Um, I'll let you handle that that particular part, because what you have to do is get access to the database from the notifications controller, so that you can do the you can do the same interactions. Actually, that might be a good discussion to have: is creating a class um, that just spits out the exact um, like one class that does all the sort of like. Logic of like giving presenting the user with the the actual character that they need to see.
1: So one thing I haven't done uh, before is the whole extensions thing and being able to like get data from one extension from another one or or wherever. Where is the core data database stored in when you're thinking about these extensions? Because the watchOS app is an extension, right?
0: It's 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 basically like the targets. So the target is shared. If you share the target with both extensions. In theory, I think it should be fine. So it's actually kind of funny because I'm looking at our our project that it's an exclusive watch app. There's no, it's not linked to an iPhone, right? So like there's a watch app target, right? And all there is, is just the assets for like the accent color and like the app icon. And then all the logic is in the watch kit extension, uh, including uh, the notification and complication controllers so all we our focus is primarily in the extension which we actually have uh the also the core database pointing to that target so you should be okay to be fair it would be interesting i think there is so there is a notifications view in swift ui so you would be able to manipulate that and test that out and try and try to see how um there's and i know there's an example um of like uh, probably if you look at like uh, maybe the yeah the scene maybe like the 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 kanji flashcards app file or somewhere it will say it will demonstrate how you can actually call that um again like us being me being particularly newbie on that front um i would probably. I I know that it the example does show how to do it. Actually, you know what? It, it's probably utilizing because there's also like a push notification payload that it um, comes along with the project for you to test.
1: So that's cool. So you're you're gonna you're gonna get you're you're trying to get a swipe UI working and saving the, the user stats of like which which button they press for that. And I'm gonna try to do similarly with the um, notifications, I guess. Try to get that to work, and so we're sharing the same data, which means we're going to have to have some kind of uh, interface that we're both accessing between the two. So we will have to work on that. We're going to use PRs for this, and then I guess Aaron, are there a whole? Is there more data beyond the first three thousand here we put in there that we want to add into the database?
2: Well, that's another discussion of because you uh, one of the things you wanted to have was this like the order of how these things are typically learned and. We think we talked about it last time of um, there in this data set, there's like tons of different um, dictionaries of and they order them differently. So I just picked one, but that one only like orders the first 3000. So I don't know if you just want to have how you want to sort the other ones if we I can import them, but they'll just be sorted in some other order.
1: Is there another ordering mechanism that hits more of them, like a larger percentage of them?
0: I guess the radical the amount of radical numbers or the amount of radicals within that character might be an indicator. So
1: basically you have to create an algorithm to make this decision.
0: Actually that might be that might be useful for you to start working on Aaron is the just creating a basic class that returns a random um a random character um and just have hooks in there for now. To say based on your performance of um you you can you can um you can just template it out you don't need to like put the logic in at the moment, but just something that we can me and me and Steve can point to and be like we call this function you know call it like get me char- get me next character or something
2: yeah definitely right because right now the only thing um only way I'm accessing I'm just using like the fetch request for the list view just to like see all of them but there isn't any other there isn't any other interface yet to
1: I mean, one of the things that, that the class or the or whatever how you implement it could, could provide is a fetch request, like an appropriate fetch request. Like that's one way you could do. We're just saying, oh, I, like, I like to encapsulate data access really well.
2: Yeah, no, I, I haven't. I just haven't gotten to any of that yet. I was just trying to see if I could get the data in there and, and then display it. So that's the only thing that um, as far as I got with it. So I didn't start to think about, you know, designing of classes and how that works with the UI and all that stuff.
1: Are we just going to use the the model that we have in core data directly or are we going to create some kind of view model that we're going to use? What what is the the model that's backing the notification or the backing the the actual screen that we're looking at when you're doing the swipes? Is it is it just gonna be that core data model? Because we need something to to start with, or is it gonna be something else that we need to define?
0: I think it would be the core data model. That's fine. Like I don't need I don't want us to get too deep in the woods here. Mm -hmm. I mean we might need to make convenience methods or like for example, if we need to do like we don't care if because we have nil attributes or whatever. We just want to. I just want to, you know, an unwrapped version. So if there's nothing there, just give me a blank or something where empty array.
1: Okay, we'll just we'll just do the coordinate. That's I just need to know so that way we will um we'll try that first. We'll see, we'll bind to the. Can we do extensions on one of these coordinate models?
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's how I do it. That's how I did it with uh, Fave Tennis. Like I, I actually want. I actually was so lazy. I was like. Just give me the auto-generated version of it, and I'll just build extensions to extend out the model to do you know if I need to. Uh,
1: is that repo ex- accessible, or can you provide the examples of what you did?
0: I'll 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 see what I can provide as an example, and I'll get I'll send it to I'll put it in our group chat.
1: That'll be cool. That that'll just again, I love looking at things that work and then completely stealing it. Where. <laughs> <laughs> and then modifying it, you know, but that's, you, we want, we need, the more we have these f- solid foundations to, to work with the faster we'll get this done. So it sounds like we're, we're pretty good for next time. We, we made good progress on this last sprint. You know, we only, we, you know, we actually, we actually did, especially the most important thing, which was getting the data
0: in there. And, and Oh, I also added an app icon just for kicks and giggles. <laughs> yeah. You got an
1: app icon. I didn't even see the app icon yet. It's nothing special. It's just a placeholder. Oh no, I did see it. I did see it when it launched the other day. That was cool. Um, so the we got the data imported. We know that it's going to work. We know that like the watch is going to be able to handle at least into the thousands of data to start with, and that you know the initial load is the slowest thing. After that, you know, it's just pulling from the database. So we know that's going to work. Uh, you have a clear idea, Kothra, of what your the swipe UI is going to be, and and the notifications UI is pretty much constrained by the notifications. So. I'll look at that and see what I can tweak on that cuz I would like the notification to look as close to the actual swipe UI as possible if we can.
0: Yeah, just um just go with like red background white character. Um that's it. And then uh and then add add buttons. Yes, I know. No, I don't.
1: Aaron is going to be working on the the what, the public interface for it and then I guess uh we want to try to get as many of these characters in there as we can, right?
0: Eventually. So that, that again, Aaron, Aaron's going to be our data guide to sort of how he's going to figure out the order and then ultimately get all the data in there and then how we're going to have that store, how we're going to decide storing that data.
1: We're also going to need to make decisions based upon the user stats as they're coming in. So this is all, this is all things that Aaron, your your insight might be very valuable as we're working on this just to, to over the next two weeks, just to be like, does this make any sense? Is this enough data? Can I make, these determinations because we're going to need to determine what card to next show or what notify or what card to include in a notification to next show. And then, uh, so that, that whole system has not really been thought out yet.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll
0: discuss it. Yes. After, after this, we'll figure it out. So, yeah. So, so what's our goals? Let's just to wrap it up. Our goals for next week.
1: Work, I, the ones I've written down here, I have working prototype swipe UI and save user stats for Cotero, notification interactions for me, and a public interface for the Kanji database for Aaron. Sounds good. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. And then at the end of that, at the end of that, uh, if we actually accomplish these three things at the end of the next sprint, we will almost have like a working prototype. I mean, it'll almost almost be working. It'll probably be really rough and need tweaks, but. We'll have all the main pieces we need for it. Exactly. And because we, we want to have time in December to do the polishing and all the App Store Connect BS that we're going to need to do. Oh, yeah. Well, that will be a topic for next sprint. <laughs>